This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What it do, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, is simultaneously excited about the NBA season starting and also loving the Twitter hate that he's getting from his all-time top 50 list co-host, Andrew D. Bailey. Before we get started, just a couple housekeeping notes, the usual for the most part. As a reminder, please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. Uh, this might be more of a plea than usual, but since Andy published his 50 Greatest Players of All-Time article at Bleach Report, we have had an influx of one-star ratings. Um, and some of the reviews that we've gotten with those one-star ratings, it is clear that they do not listen to the podcast. So if you want to help us out, give us a nice rating, write a review, definitely subscribe. Uh, help us out in any way you can. Get the word out if you've done all those things. Shoutouts on Twitter recommendations to a friend please help remedy the injustice that is the reaction to to andy's list i fully support it i'm not the least bit uh perturbed by the influx of one-star ratings i i texted him on saturday night because both of us obviously have nothing better to do than to talk about this podcast on saturday night and it was mostly comical it's annoying but it's very funny that clearly people were incited enough by by his takes to go and uh just help us get our one-star review ratings uh, up there also follow the pod on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. You can follow Andy on Twitter and yell at Andy on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. I am at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. Uh, you can follow Blue Wire and should follow Blue Wire on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. I'm tweeting over there. Great content. You can also check out all the other wonderful podcasts we have on the, on the network. Finally, Hardwood Knox has a mini announcement. Mo Dakil is no longer with us. He is moving on to, I guess, bigger, better things, but between my ears, there there is only this podcast and then everything else. We wish him the best of luck. I'm not sure if he's announced what he's doing yet, so we won't do it on his behalf, but it was amicable. We knew that uh, his stay might be a little temporary, so again, we, we wish him the best. You'll be hearing his dulcet tones on here, I'm sure, at some point. Whew. With all of that out of the way, though, Andy, how are you doing? I'm excellent, Dan. Uh, <laughs> it's, like you said, it's been an interesting few days since the top 50 dropped. Uh, but I, I think for the most part, I've enjoyed the reaction, to be quite honest with you. So it's been it's been fun. It was many, many hours poured into that thing and uh, many, many hours since responding to people. So it's it's been a while, I guess, well over a week now, if you count the lead up to it. I was a little bit disappointed that as soon as you published it, Mo saw it and resigned from Hardwood Knox. I thought that was a little <laughs> bit over the top. Yeah, that was. Yeah, absolutely. Coming for you next, Mo. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about Andy's 
uh, all-time list. Some of the rankings, obviously, but also the methodology behind it to give, I think, a better idea of what it was all about and what went into it than he can provide in follow-up tweets. I do want to get something off of my chest, though, before we get started. And I'm good. I just want to point out that both of us are privileged white males in a business that is gatekeeped by too many privileged white males. So I'm not looking for sympathy for Andy. Uh, he handled the criticism very well. I thought I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. I understand that writers, podcasters, everybody who puts stuff in the public discourse is open to the same type of criticism or any type of criticism. That being said, I'm here for, for the jokes. Andy, I'm sure, is here for them as well. I think you even expect and need to be able to cope with this list was awful. I disagree with X and yada, yada, yada. And you even need to be prepared for just the people who are like, get cancer or something. There was, <laughs> I don't know what the worst is. What was the worst response that you got to the list that you published? I, I had multiple people tell me to kill myself. Yeah, that's, um, that's up there. <laughs> lots of FUs. Uh, the, the F word that is not that word, but is a derogatory term for homosexuals was thrown my way. That was absurd. Um, the fact that man, people still use that is just telling. That's what I told my wife. I was like, what? First of all, what year is it? Second of all, how old are you? Uh, I, I just don't understand how that's a possibility in someone's mind uh, to throw that out. It just, it, that blows my mind. Um, one guy, one guy said something about my son, which was absurd, obviously. Oh, like, um, yeah. So it's ridiculous. And honestly, I, I know you'll get into this, but I don't care about the Twitter trolls, to be honest. I, I, I don't think they, they have nothing to add to the discourse. I've, I have faced the trolls before. I'll face them again. The ones that really annoyed me are the guys with a national platform who spout nonsense that's not backed up and they don't even, <laughs> there's no uh, even attempt to get my side. So that that's the one that annoys me because people take what they say um, as as having some sort of credibility, and they don't even they don't even approach uh, the methodology, what went into it. Um, they don't try to analytically disagree with me. They just say stuff like, "Well, he he just doesn't understand." But there's no evidence or logic to back up their points. So those those are the ones that annoy me. The trolls are whatever. I mean, some of the stuff they said was absurd, like I said, but I it doesn't bother me that much and that's the stuff you need to be prepared for and that you, you know you're not going to feel bad about and you, you're not again this isn't i don't want sympathy for andy but what, what rubbed me the wrong way this is one of the examples and touching on someone with the national platform that you were talking about so jeff perlman really good writer uh he's a best-selling author i think of it's got to be like eight books close to 10 now um he's written um some good features at, at various websites fantastic writer he his reaction to your list was just mind-boggling to me. He called it awful or whatever, and he he sort of tried to like say this was all in the spirit of the the, the this top fifty ranking, and then and then when he was criticizing it, said that a lot of the uh, when he was talking about how it undermined a lot of what Bleacher Report has done, um, th that he was more speaking about Bleacher Report than Andy himself he wrote a blog about it and called you a well-intentioned young man who didn't watch a game probably before 2000 and so that and this is i refrain from calling out specific reporters and writers and again here's the thing is it's the jokes if he was joking and stuff like that like i get it like that's just part of it now i just don't understand his response in the sense that 
he's he's like trying to criticize Bleacher Report more than you, but by doing so, he takes away your agency by saying that you were forced, essentially, yeah. to, or implying, because that's not what he said, forced to write this list. And I don't know about you, my experience at Bleach Report, I've never written an article that I didn't want to. Editors come to you with ideas or you collaboratively pitch them, and mm-hmm. that's how this process works. And so you had the right to reject it. I, I guarantee you that there would have been editors who at Bleach Report who were happy if Kobe would have been higher who didn't want your honorable mentions list to be so long. And that's, you know what, that, I think, looking at your honorable mentions list, you even said it, that you probably got carried away. That's a fair, that's a fair criticism. But to then, he's naming all these other writers at Bleacher Report who do great work, and they do. Howard Beck, fantastic human being, one of my favorite writers of all time. Miriam Fader, uh, another fantastic writer, probably one of the five best, if not the absolute best feature writer in the business right now but it was almost just this implication that you're somehow now bringing bleacher report down and a writer like you is an asset to bleacher report it's not I'm not saying you're better than howard beck i'm not saying you're worse you guys write different sorts of piece, pieces but you're important to what bleacher report does and you that article what the work you do there to imply that it takes away from bleacher report or undermines it i thought was super shitty and that's where i start to have issues with critiques of work in general, we just assume that no effort went into it, that you were doing this blind, that you rush this out. You know, you're a good writer at Bleacher Report who's probably underpromoted. And so I think that opens the door for criticisms like that. It's the same thing with Grant Hughes, another fantastic writer there. You guys are super talented. I would put you up against any other NBA writers out there. You're two of my favorites to read and, and speak with. And and so is Howard Beck. Miran Fader's a fantastic writer. I just thought that response was wild to me and then again there are just the two implications there is that somehow you're helping undermine bleacher report and then two that you're somehow didn't put enough work into this and i think you said there he had a tweet or someone else had a tweet along the lines of that and and the final thing i'll say there is that i i know you sent me skip bayless talking about it which one congratulations his (laughs) his response i was almost okay, okay with because he was talking about like a legitimate debate point without really insulting like your work ethic or diligence. And so I didn't have much of a problem with that clip as I did a response like Jeff Perlman. And again, I think he had the honorable mentions, the Al Horford thing, legitimate criticisms, but the way he went about it, I just thought was again, super shitty bordering on fucked up. And it's not, I want sympathy for Andy. I'm not trying to be hypocritical because I know I make jokes on Twitter, but to have to infer that you did not put enough effort into this or that you didn't maybe believe what you were writing because he's trying to displace the blame onto Bleacher Report publishing this. I, no one, I know none of our NBA editors asked you to put Stephen Curry where you did. I don't want to spoil no. the ranking for anyone. Yeah. No one asked you to put Kobe where you did. No one asked you to put David Robinson, Hakeem, where you did. So that was just my, I was really disappointed in things like that. In fact, uh, one of the first things the Bleacher Report social team did is after they tweeted the article is they followed it up with a gif of Kobe and on the bench saying what? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think some people at Bleacher Report were as surprised as the masses that Kobe wound up where he was. Um, yes, it was Jeff Perlman who implied that I didn't put any work into this, which is, I mean, it was hours and it was agonizing, especially, especially assembling. If I could show 50. people the receipts of text messages, there were real tears yeah. in that box yeah. as you were going through the motions. Yeah. I mean, I did, 
I, I don't know. I didn't count the hours or anything, but it took a long time. I consulted with people who are very, very smart, like yourself and Adam Frommel. Um, that explains yeah, why was, these rankings were so bad. <laughs> it was a big process. So the the implication that I didn't put enough work into it was absurd. And then I didn't. I actually hadn't read Jeff Perlman's blog post until you read me the first paragraph this morning. Well intentioned young man is absurd, and I think. It was patronizing. It was yeah, to see the, you want to say the list is awful, then say the list is awful, which he did. But that, I, yeah, again, it, that's ridiculous. And oh, Damn. and the other thing, sorry, you didn't, you never pretended this list was something that it wasn't. You weighted analytics heavily. There was definitely subjectivity in there because someone like Isaiah Thomas is you agonized over in the the thread with Adam and I. Uh, you the I tried to keep him off. Yeah, like, <laughs> and so, but you ended up there were just players that you overrode that for and so yeah at the same time though you've never pretended that this list was something that it's not that you just sat down and ranked players like straight by legacies or something like you took numbers into account you made that clear and so yep. people's response to it being analytics heavy analytics based whatever you want to call it even though there were other elements that we'll talk about that went into your ordering that was also just a, a, absurd like it wasn't a list that pretended to be something it was not yeah well that before I launch into any more, I thank you for uh, your your opening rant, the text messages, all that. Um, I sincerely appreciate that. Um, back to Perlman. He the other the other line that's funny to me is he surely must not have watched a game pre two thousand. I think that was the year he picked, um, which is first of all not true, but that doesn't even matter. What that paints him as is one of these curmudgeons that doesn't care about the last 15 to 20 years of advancements in analysis. Um, they People just willingly ignore uh, objective evidence. And it's it's not just a sports media problem. It's, it's clearly a worldwide issue. Uh, somebody, one of the trolls responded, we, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something like, we don't care about your what did he say we don't care about your evidence or something like that um and i just thought oh that's exactly right you are at least being honest um let me see if i can actually find his wording in i think at least in in jeff's case the criticism with al horford and the honorable mentions again was a fair one it just i'll but to I, use his word it was undermined by just the demeanor with which he yeah uh, approached your work ethic to it or or your I, I don't know that we already talked ad nauseum about what it was, but it was his criticism even that was definitely, one? I think his criticism though was especially relative to the ones you've been getting was certainly fair. Yeah. It, it was just in the macro or the way that he went about it. I, I, those were the disappointing responses to me, the most disappointing yeah. ones. Um, even that one, I had like evidence that I could throw back at him and I did. Um, I, I try really hard not to write anything that I cannot back up with evidence. Um, and, and like you said, I think some of the honorable mentions probably would be tough for me to back up, but that was one that I felt like I could do. Um, I can't remember where I was now. Um, anyway. Okay. So, so some guy on Twitter goes, we don't really care why it's incorrect. Nobody exactly cares what the numbers say. And <laughs> that encapsulates this entire thing that people's personal opinions are far more important to them and like uh, almost frighteningly important to them than evidence is. It's, it's very, very strange. 
I was thinking on the way over to my office this morning to make an honest, objective, analytical argument. It it would actually be kind of hard to get Kobe Bryant into the top ten, or as many people want, the top five or top three. Three that would that would be basically impossible for me to do. Um, it was kind of hard for me to keep Isaiah Thomas in, like I like we just talked about. I I went back and forth on having him in the top ten point guards, and uh, it was it was Adam I think who mostly talked me into keeping him in the top ten. Um, for Isaiah specifically, like his, his playoff numbers are way, way better than regular season. So that helped him. And I think I can still back up the fact that he's in there. Not that anybody's going to ask me to do that because that's one of the ones that the, um, anti-evidence crowd likes. Um, it's, it's just really, really interesting. People care so, so, so much more about what they've been told um, who they have been told to like, who they have been told is top 10, uh, who they've been told is top five, than what actual objective evidence says. Um, ben Taylor, I think you probably know who he is, at LG35. Yep. Um, he does like he does really good YouTube videos and uh, very, very analytical, much, much smarter than me on that type of stuff. Another thing I told my wife over the weekend is I'm I'm really not a math person. I was not trained in engineering, computer science, math, any of that stuff. Um, I was a history major. Part of the reason I love NBA history so much, uh, contrary to the opinion of uh, certain writers, I have seen plenty of stuff pre-2000. And then I'm a lawyer. I'm a full-time lawyer. My training is not in numbers. Um, my, my training, in my mind, is analysis. I can see numbers and I can analyze them. I don't create my own systems uh, my own numbers, anything like that. But Ben Taylor is the kind of person who has that mind and can do that. But anyway, that was another digression. Um, one thing he said over the weekend in, re in, in response to all this was something like, can you imagine, I don't want to butcher his words now either. Um, let me, let me, uh, I'll, I'll get the actual text here. Just give me a second. Imagine if health journalists talk the same way sports journalists do. I don't quote, I don't want to hear about your made up white blood cell count. The eye test tells me whether I'm healthy or not. Um, <laughs> it's so true to me. We've, we have advanced so far in the last 10 to 15 years in basketball and analysis and even like the last five or six, but um, people are just like violently <laughs> holding on to their old perceptions of basketball. I always think it's, it is just like that scene in Moneyball. Um, where the old guard is kind of putting up a fight against Billy Bean, uh, except for it's been blown up onto this uh, worldwide Twitter stage. And it's it's significantly uglier <laughs> than that scene, of course. Um, but this idea that we don't want more information, that we don't want a better picture of what is actually happening and what has actually happened is just wild to me. Um, and, and people are really digging their heels in, but I, like I said, I'm not gonna, I do not write things I cannot back up, uh, with evidence. And, uh, so that's, I, that's where I came down. I honestly didn't think 14 would be that controversial, um, <laughs> for Kobe Bryant. And I, I had uh, multiple people tell me, well, you probably actually could have had him even lower. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's been a wild few days. Um, I will continue to mix uh my my subjective opinion with real evidence because i just i think the other way to do it is is frankly dumb so that's where i'm at 
there definitely needs to be a balance. And if a criticism is that it was too analytics heavy, that's there's a different criticism. But you're right. the arguments that some people were coming back with just outside of context. And so, uh, yeah, I'm 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 with you. I didn't think 14 was egregious for Kobe. But let's start with your top 10. One was Michael Jordan. Two was LeBron James. Three was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Four was Magic Johnson. Five was Larry Bird. Six was Sha- Shaquille O'Neal. Seven was Tim. Oh, and Shaq, thank you for putting him six, by the way. Yes. <laughs> seven for one of the highlights of the weekend. Seven for Tim Duncan. Eight for Bill Russell. Nine was Will Chamberlain. And 10 was Stephen Curry. So let's start at the top there. Did it end up, it did seem like for you that it ended up being a difficult decision, decision choosing between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Was this one of the cases, though, where the count the rings argument held weight or that where the, the legacy of the winning actually kind of trumped the, the numbers, the individual numbers that were coming back for you? Yes. Um, so so there actually was more subjectivity here than I'm than I generally allow myself to present uh, in an article. And this was one of the ones where if it was just purely based on numbers, I probably would have gone with LeBron. I did one of the blind polls for this one. Uh, LeBron won them all. I did playoffs, uh, regular season. I don't know if I did a finals one for these two. Uh, but LeBron won overwhelmingly. I think his advantage in assists is big. I think he had a bigger or a better relative true shooting percentage. Um, he's obviously, he's not just the leader in all time box plus minus. It's like significant lead there. And he's got a few years left to go. And he's going to continue to pad his leads in some of the cumulative numbers. Like his wins over replacement player is already so far ahead of everybody. It's It's wild. And it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger as he plays. So I think longevity is a huge part of the argument for him. And this is one I actually, I'm I'm a little surprised there wasn't more pushback on. I I thought maybe there'd be some more people who thought LeBron should have been number one. Um, But I, I dove really deep into this comparison. I looked at a ton of numbers beyond the ones I just mentioned. And I actually thought their statistical resumes were closer than I remembered them being. Um, I've, I've kind of been on the LeBron is number one, bandwagon for the last couple of years and this actually flipped me um i thought that it was close enough that the difference between six titles and three which is funny because i think i've probably even joked about how stupid that argument is on twitter but it it wound up being i i think the biggest tiebreaker in that one so that's why i went with lebron or why i went with jordan um you brought up a good point to me in a text about that one and, and it was you know I've said over and over and over that there's more talent now than there has ever been in the NBA. And I think that's true. Uh, And LeBron has basically dominated this era for the last 10 to 15 years. Um, So it, it, you would think it would have to be him. Um, But I, you know, I, I still think LeBron had to go through a lot of top 25 to 50 players. Um, Barkley, Stockton, Malone, um, guys within his own conference. I mean, I mean, he he certainly had to go through some legends to get to those six titles. This was a really really tough one, and I think I said somewhere, if it's not in that top fifty, it's in the follow up. That's like why I chose Jordan over LeBron. There, I don't think there's a wrong answer to that question. To be quite honest with you, I know that's that's the kind of hedge that we don't really love in sports media, um, or that fans don't love. But I, you could go with either one of these guys and make a very very strong argument. And the, the the winning 
when you're ranking the 50 greatest players of, of all time, it's some of it's not, it, it can't always just be about the numbers because there's, there's just other things that sort of factor into it. Because if you were, it's like, there's a difference between talented and great probably, or maybe even best yeah. and great, but you have to look at the career accolades because they happened. Michael Jordan won six championships. You, you know, you don't want to take away from LeBron because he only has three, but at the same time, are you going to, how are you going to, penalize Jordan for actually having six championships and and for having Scottie Pippen on his team where LeBron maybe had what would you say one or two years of a teammate that was close to Pippen's level with with Dwayne Wade so that's a tough one I think you ultimately went correctly what do you think would have to happen for LeBron to be the consensus goat though by the time he retires I I think in a lot of people's minds he's it's probably never going to happen. And that, that may go back to what we were talking about earlier. People have, they've just been told a certain thing for long enough that they're never going to let it go. Um, another powerful thing in sports fandom is, is once in a, a, a reputation or an idea has been established, that's it. Um, and I, I think Derek Rose is a really good example of this. He had an incredible early part of his career and nobody has ever been able to let go of that. Um, and so I think that'll probably be the case with Jordan for a lot of people. For me, um, it's, it's really hard to see this happening, but maybe another title or two with the Lakers. I, for some reason, I just don't, I I don't buy the Lakers as a very real title threat right now. I don't know if you feel the same way. And that's probably a topic for another podcast. Um, but if he won another title or two, and like I said earlier, if he continues to pad his lead and some of these cumulative numbers, um, like I said, he already has a case to be number mm-hmm. one all time. So he's that case is just going to get stronger and stronger um, each year that he plays, whether he wins a title or not. Actually, like by the time he's done, his his lead and stuff like uh, wins over replacement player, um, it's going to be huge. And he's already in a club by himself for total points, rebounds, and assists. And he's just going to make it harder and harder for anyone else to touch that um, the longer he plays. So he's got a case now. Um, I guess it just gets stronger and stronger over time. But like I said, I think there's a lot of people that are, that they're just not going to put him ahead of him. I know this four player setup gave you some internal agony as well. Will Chamberlain at nine, Bill Russell at eight, Tim Duncan at seven, Shaq yeah. at six. You probably could have ordered those guys. However, I would think mm. what made you settle on the, you know, Shaq, Duncan, then Russell, then Wilt. What was the tipping point for you? You are correct. This was a tough one. Um, one of the most difficult aspects of this project is figuring out what to do with these guys who played in the 50s and 60s. Um, it, it, <laughs> there's just, to me, it's indisputable that there's more talent now. Uh, not, not just the fact that players have gotten bigger, stronger, more athletic, um, more skilled, the the raw number of players in the league is just much different. There were eight or nine teams for the majority of Bill Russell's career. There's now 30. Um, there's the international player pool that has been opened up in the last 15 to 20 years. Um, I mean, there's there's been international players obviously before that, but we saw the floodgates open uh, basically after Dirk Nowitzki. So there's just, it's really hard to know how to analyze these guys who came from frankly a different game um but they they still deserve their place in nba history obviously these guys are the pioneers 
Um, Wilt Chamberlain, even though he was doing it against a different level competition, put up numbers that are just mind boggling. Um, hundred points in the game, obviously averaging 50 for an entire season, never sitting that season. I think he averaged over 48 minutes a game that season. Um, so those guys have to be in to me, but as, as is the case with anything, uh, we as human beings get better at stuff over time. And so I think that over time, big men got better at what they do. And that includes Tim Duncan and Shaquille O'Neal. And I actually had Russell and Chamberlain ahead of them originally. And, and I kind of went more with my personal feelings uh, towards the end of the process and flipped them, put them ahead in the top 10 centers article. And then for, for Shaq and Duncan, um, that one specifically actually wasn't that difficult to me. I just, I felt like Shaq's peak was quite a bit higher than Duncan's. I mean, he, in terms of physical dominance over the sport, I think the only two players that are in the same conversation as him are Chamberlain, who again played at a time where he, he was just a complete physical anomaly. Um, and I think LeBron James is, is in that conversation for the most physically dominant players ever as well. So, um, Hopefully that kind of answers your question, but yes, it was it was agonizing to try and figure out what to do with the historical players. I supported you moving Duncan up because he is probably my favorite NBA player of all time. Between him and LeBron's in there, Manu might be in there. I'm not a Spurs fan, by the way, but uh, I supported the the Duncan move up, and I I agree with your point on Shaq. There were in his prime. Uh, you're looking at. It just seemed like he was you couldn't guard him. Like there was just if he mm -hmm. wanted to score on the block in the post, it was just was it was just gonna happen. It was a foregone conclusion. Every guy looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit. But there's one problem. Guys keep buying generic off-the-rack suits. That's why Blue Wires pumped the partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married? They have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. It's so easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally, or measure yourself at home and shop online at Indochino.com. This week, Hardwood Knox listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for any premium suit, and it'll cost you just $369 to go along with free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom... Indochino promises you you won't go back. Uh, so we'll get to now. This stretch is where I actually would have had like I don't want to say I'm not be actually angry, angry, but where I could have some issues with. So you had Stephen Curry at ten, Oscar Robinson at eleven, David Robinson at twelve, Hakeem at thirteen, Kobe at fourteen, and Durant at fifteen. You already kind of touched upon Kobe on. On 14, but there's the him versus Steph argument. My actual two biggest, if you want to call them qualms, would be I would have Kevin Durant probably in front of both Stephen Curry and Kobe Bryant. And I'm also wondering, this isn't as fun as a question now because you texted me with some regret the other night. <laughs> I would have had Hakeem ahead of David Robinson. Where were you the other day when I asked you about that, by the way? I was um, probably trying to enjoy the tail end of my vacation. Thank you very much. <laughs> so... 
if if I if there was one mistake in my mind, actually there there's a few maybe, but this is the big one. I think I probably would flip Hakeem and Duncan as well, or Hakeem and Robinson as well. Um, I still think I can back up where I have David Robinson. He has better regular season numbers. Um, I think he's either second or third all time in win shares per 48 minutes, which is obviously not just positive. He might somehow the be issue. among the most um, underrated player. Maybe we should say among the most underrated stars in NBA history, just because I think he, he is, is considered sure. one of the greatest of all time, but it still seems like people can be low on him. Yeah. There, there are certain numbers that you could make an argument that he's in the top 10. Um, he scored more than Hakeem did. He scored comfortably more efficiently than Hakeem did. And I think that's why the, the regular season numbers are uh, not so much better, but I think they're comfortably better in that case. But <laughs> the other night I was, I was, and I even talk about the playoff series where Hakeem just destroyed David Robinson in the slide. Um, that was actually at Adam's suggestion. He was the, the editor on that particular slide. And, he said, people are going to have a problem with this. Uh, so <laughs> draw it out a little bit further. And so I did. Um, but then the other night I was looking at sort of their playoff numbers in total as well. And and Hakeem's lead in playoff numbers is is probably about on par with Robinson's lead in regular season numbers. And then I thought, well, Hakeem also for his two titles was clearly the guy. And for Robinson's two titles, you've got Duncan there. Um so if if I was to uh, if I was to say hey I messed up on one I think it would probably be that um, in hindsight I would probably flip those two although I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, totally off base where I have them right now. Once uh, you factor in the playoff stuff for me, I think that it would almost yeah. clearly be Hakeem. Yeah, and I think like I said, if I could go back now, I'd probably flip. Those two. And the other the other thing that you brought up was Durant. And I was actually and I told somebody this on Twitter, too. I was surprised there wasn't more outrage over Durant's spot. And as we discussed before we started recording, it's probably because people just latched onto the Kobe Curry thing. Um, the other thing that's funny about Kobe Curry is is uh, that sounds like a dish. Kobe Curry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Kobe beef with curry sauce. Um there's also like three players in between Curry and Kobe. And I said that to you. That I was like, there were guards yeah. separating them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People latched on to the Kobe versus Curry debate and they just kind of brushed everything else off to the side. Um, here, here's another sort of um, philosophical question attached to this. I, I think you could take basically any five player stretch in here and shuffle them up and be able to make a reasonable argument. Like you mentioned that four big run that I had, like you said, you could probably mix those up and have a good argument for whatever the order was. And you could probably do the same with this stretch too. Um, different people favor different things when they analyze basketball. Uh, to me, I think Stephen Curry is the single most dominant uh, offensive player in the history of the game. That means a lot to me. I, I think he had the, and, and this one I think is actually, um, fairly easy to argue. I think he had the single greatest offensive season of all time in 2015-16. He's the only unanimous MVP. Um, if we're just doing purely stats-based here, I, I don't think there's really an argument for Kobe Bryant over uh, Stephen Curry. I, I actually I didn't have that difficult of a time putting Curry in the top 10, but I could totally see how people would want Durant higher. 
Um, people who favor those early, early years might might still be partial to Oscar Robertson, and I would understand that too. Um, but like I said, this is this is maybe one of those areas where you can mix and match people. I could even see the argument for Kobe over Curry just in terms of longevity. Um, he, he had an 18-year stretch in his career that was just absurd and stacks up against anyone, mostly just because a lot of people haven't had 18-year stretches. Uh, of their career so he deserves a lot of credit for the longevity that he had but his peak frankly was just not even close to Curry's I mean not not even close um so there was no set criteria about how much I weigh longevity versus peak in this particular instance I took Curry's peak and I, I honestly think it's the highest anyone's ever gotten offensively and you went through you did you did an article specifically on Kobe versus Curry and why you chose who you chose. You gave Kobe the edge as a score and Steph the edge. Which, before you go, I mean, I, I could have very easily given Steph the edge as a score or two. The difference in efficiency there is, it's huge, but go ahead. Uh, um, yeah, there's, you gave, it was Kobe was, I'm, so I'm looking at it now. You gave Kobe the edge as a score. You gave Steph uh, the edge in, in shooting, obviously. I hope you did not get any pushback on that. Curry had the edge in playmaking. You I did, Kobe. by the way. What's that? You I, did. I did get pushback on that, by the way, but that was the troll crowd. Uh, you gave Kobe the edge in defense, and then in accolades, you gave the edge to Kobe, and then in impact, you wanted to give Curry two points, but you gave him one, and so it ended up being a 3-3 tie, and that you just said it. It came down. There are other categories. If you wanted to split them up more and make mm -hmm. it a tad more nuance, but you were at a point where they were tied in sort of your nutshelled version of the argument. And so that's when it comes down to personal preference. And that's, what's going to determine a lot of these lists. I think you set out mm -hmm. to try and be as it's not about being right. Maybe you want to be right more in, in these historical lists because there's going to be slightly less change since a lot of these careers are already over, but your, your goal really is to just be as not wrong as possible possible basically <laughs> so it comes down to personal preference what made kevin durant trail both of these guys though coming in at 15 that's a good question um hold on <laughs> you can hear me furiously typing away um like i said i think you could put everybody in a in a hat and pull them out and, and be able to argue whatever order that you want um I, do, I don't think Durant influences the game offensively quite to the same degree that Curry does and I actually had another article about them specifically earlier in the season um what Curry does for an offense is to, just to me incomparable uh the fact that you have to double team him like 35 feet to the rim or from the rim um allows his team to play four on three it's it's just it's insane what he's done to the game. I think his offensive ceiling is higher than Durant's. And I think the obvious retort to that is, well, Durant is, is good defensively as well. And I think that's fair, but I, I think Curry's edge on offense um, overcomes that for Kobe. Um, the, the more I think about it, the more I think, yeah, I could have put Kevin Durant over Kobe Bryant, but then we would have had more issues to deal with. Um, Although maybe not quite as many because I think the eye test crowd likes Durant quite a bit more than they like Curry. So I think um, I think Durant it 
could be or will be or is already the greatest scorer in just NBA history. And so I don't know if you would have put him at 10, I don't think you would have gotten the amount of pushback instead of Curry. I don't think you would have gotten the same amount of pushback. I don't think I would have for sure. But I, I, I am very confident that Curry's a better offensive player than Kevin Durant is. Um, I, but I said somewhere in the slide, I'm going to see if I can find it now that he is, if he's not the greatest individual scorer, he's certainly in the conversation. Um, Maybe a few more years. Like I said, Kobe's 18-year stretch is is pretty much untouchable. Um, really, the only other people that you can say had an 18-year stretch to even compare with him is like Malone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So if Durant comes back and he's like 85% of he was before, at 85% of what he was before the torn Achilles, maybe he has a couple more years to add to the longevity side of things I'd be able to put him above Kobe and like I said I could probably put him above now uh to be honest with you he's he's so much more efficient than Kobe was um maybe the five titles to two comes into this equation as well although as I've pointed out many many times um Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal for those first three titles I think Pau Gasol is drastically underrated um this this one is very very much a toss-up Durant and Kobe to me. Uh, Durant and, and Curry isn't quite as much of a toss-up just because I, I I truly believe that Stephen Curry is the best offensive player ever. Um, maybe he hasn't done it long enough. I think that's a fair critique that I've gotten from a lot of people. Um, and if he just falls off a cliff over the next two or three years, I might look really stupid. Um, but if he, if he maintains the level he's been at for the last three or four years for another three or four more, um, I, I think it's going to be a lot harder to pick at Stephen Curry's top 10 resume. Um, again, I just, I think he's the best offensive player we've ever seen. People are definitely going to come at you with receipts. If the Warriors are somehow terrible this year and Steph, yeah. isn't, Steph isn't excellent. Yeah. yeah, for sure. The one thing I'm also not a fan of, and you could do this in support of a player too, but some of the knocks against Curry, people are pulling out these random final games where he didn't shoot well. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, we could do that with Kobe too. You know, he shot eight of 27 against the Pacers in a 2000 finals game Kobe had, bad, Kobe had bad games in the finals it, it happens I just I'm not a fan of the the single especially when we're talking about an argument on a go on any sort of rankings list it's one game can't define a career I just I saw people like throwing out like Curry's like game log in like yeah. two or three finals games and it's like we could find pretty shitty finals games from from Kobe too you saw the poll for their finals numbers, right? Oh, and that, that's the other thing is you put up these polls and people are very willing to vote for Stephen Curry when they're looking at just yeah. the numbers without names. And then you attach identities to those statistical splits and all of a sudden it's it's an issue. Yeah. Curry, Curry destroyed Kobe in all three polls. I did regular season. And this was after the list came out because I was feeling feisty and I wanted to prove people wrong. Um but he killed him in regular season, killed him in playoffs. And then I did specifically finals numbers and Curry's edge in the blind poll was 93% to 7%. Um, Curry, here, here are Curry's finals numbers. And I didn't even do per 75 possessions, which I usually do. This is, this is strictly per game. 26.5 points, 6.2 assists, 5.7 rebounds, 4.33s, 3.8 turnovers, 1.5 steals, and 0.4 blocks. And here's here's the big one. This is this is actually quite a bit lower than where he is in the regular season and playoffs. But he had a plus three point eight relative true shooting percentage. Now Kobe, fewer points, 
fewer assists, exact same rebounds, way fewer threes. Um, and then his relative true shooting percentage in the finals is minus 2.2. Um, 93% to 7%. That's 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 one thing I love about doing these blind polls. People love points, rebounds, and assists, but when you take away the name, and thus you take away what they've been told about this player, they they just vote based on logic. And there's no way you can take that stat line from Kobe over Curry's. And the same goes for the regular season in the playoffs. Um, it's just and and I I didn't always go with the results of the blind polls either. I mean, LeBron beats Jordan in blind polls. Um, but like I said, I took Jordan at number one. So this isn't the only, (laughs) this wasn't the only thing that I did to make my decisions, but I think it's funny when it backs it up to that degree. I mean, people are, um, people are so angry that they're willing to get online and tell someone to kill themselves, but they'll probably go on this poll and vote for Stephen Curry. It's, it's pretty amazing. Sort of moving out. And honestly, sorry, one other thing about these polls. The only reason he's even got 7% is because people know what I'm doing and they're trying to vote for the worst one because they don't they don't want to be tricked. Yeah, you are a little uh, bit of an instigator though. <laughs> there there's no question about that. Um but there's there's no logical reason to vote for player B in this particular scenario. But anyway, um more more rants on the Kobe versus Curry stuff. Go ahead. I do think I wouldn't have Kobe in my top 10, but after looking and we're going to get to the round out the top 25 here after looking at how that kind of unfolded I think he's definitely in the top 15 and this is coming from someone who's fairly I don't want to say anti-Kobe but yeah not as high on Kobe as many others you had so Kevin let me go ahead before we before we go on to that let me talk about because I I haven't done this a lot I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about what's incredible about Kobe Bryant um 17 seasons with 500 so that people don't think he said anything nice about Kobe (laughs) 17 seasons with 500 plus minutes and a usage uh, of over 25 and above average box plus minus. Um, Carl Malone's the only uh, only other player with at least 17. Um, his 18 year stretch, which I keep bringing up, and I got to find this number again. 26.4 points over the course of 18 years. That's to me. That's pretty mind blowing. Um, and like I said, there really aren't any other 18-year stretches you can compare. Malone was at 25.4 over 18 years, and Kareem was at 25.9. So I don't I don't think his peak was ever close to Curry's, like I said. But he had a very, very, very good peak that was stretched out um, maybe as long or longer than anybody else in NBA history. And so that's... Um, Frankly, that's how I'm able to get him into the top 15 is because he was very good for so, so long. Um, and so, yeah, that's <laughs> a little bit of Kobe praise to to mix this up a little bit. He, Yeah, there is – I think some of the per- perception is colored against him by the, the off-court issues, the alleged rape, sexual assault case. That's really tough to separate when – you're doing something with this. And I'll say that for me personally, when I'm talking about his legacy and I think the fallout from it where he hasn't really had to ever address it is since is definitely contributes to the way that I view him. That being said, it's also helped him in some ways because of many people view that as like a redemption turning point for him. Like they've almost yeah. mythologized his personality like since then. And so that I do think I had it. 
I had a bunch of people on Twitter tell me, well, you'd have more MVP awards if the NBA wasn't uh, they, they, they're throwing out conspiracy theories about how the NBA was trying to hold him down in the wake of that. And that's why he didn't get more MVPs. It, there, it's like both <laughs> ways for some people, though. They view that, though, as like him coming over, overcoming some sort of adversity. It's just yeah. that I'm saying I'm not saying that contributed to your list. I'm just saying I do think that probably definitely factors into the way people talk about Kobe in general and why he's such a controversial like you know this guy who's going to just create this division such a divisive talking point when you're selling online getting your orders out can be a real pain that's why you need shipstation.com it's the fastest easiest and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders no matter where you're selling be it amazon etsy your own website shipstation brings all your orders into one simple interface shipstation helps you get orders out quickly save money on shipping costs and keep your customers happy and right now hardwood knox listeners can try shipstation free for 60 days when you use promo code blue there's absolutely no risk you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info shipstation works with all the major carriers including usps fedex ups even amazon fulfillment so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customers. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE, B-L-U-E. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. You had Kevin Garnett at 16, though. Dirk Nowitzki at 17, Jerry West at 18, Charles Barkley at 19, Carl Malone at 20, Dwayne Wade at 21, Julius Irving was 22, you had Moses Malone at 23, Elgin Baylor at 24, some love for Elgin Baylor, another underrated guy, and Scottie Pippen at 25. Did you get, was there any, I'm looking at that section, that 10 player section, was there anything, was there anyone difficult? to put in there? Did you get any pushback for anyone being in the top 25, but outside of the top 15 that you were surprised by? No, um, I got a little bit of pushback on the Nowitzki Garnett placement when I did the power forwards article, when it was just the top 10 power forwards. Um, and I, I don't think that one's that difficult to defend. Um, I, I think Nowitzki may have had more of like a lasting stylistic impact on the game, but I, I think people are forgetting how much, how much of a unicorn Garnett was too. I mean, he was six eleven, getting rebounds, bringing it up the floor, basically playing point on a lot of possessions. And he mixed in a lot of defense uh, as well. He's, he's clearly a better defender than Nowitzki was. So that was, I, I can see the argument for putting Nowitzki over Garnett there. I think he's, he's clearly among these power fours that we're going to talk about. The only one who put a team on his back and won a title. Um, you know, Garnett obviously has a title, but he had Ray Allen and Paul Pierce with him for that. Two two other guys that are in my top fifty. Um, so so there was a little pushback on that on power forwards. Jerry West and Elgin Baylor, again, a couple guys that um, are from a, a completely different era. So it's it's kind of tough for me to figure out where to put them. Um, but for for Baylor, he was a guy who was a revolutionary. A lot of the stuff that I read and watched was you know he's. He's um, dunking when a lot of people don't dunk. He, even stuff as subtle as like a crossover dribble was something that he popularized. So he deserves his place. Um, Barkley, having Barkley over Malone, I got a lot of pushback from jazz fans, obviously. Um, you made the correct decision, though, and I would have probably put a couple people in front of Malone still, but go ahead. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad somebody backs me up there. Um, a lot of the numbers, like the analytics and stuff like that, love Barkley, which is, as I point out in the article, it's kind of funny that he hates analytics because they sure love him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if power forward was strictly about those kind of numbers, it would actually be Barkley and Malone number one and two for me. But, um, you know, this this is, again, where subjectivity came in. And I felt that what Durant or not Durant, what Garnett and Nowitzki did to get their titles, put them over those two guys. And actually Malone and Barkley are that that's the first point in the top 50 where we get to players who didn't win titles. So Barkley at 19 is the highest ranked player without a title. Um, and so that, that definitely came, um, that was part of the consideration was, you know, how many titles did they win? How important were they to those titles? So that's, that was all part of the thinking. Didn't get any pushback on Dwayne Wade. Really? I think I might've had one or two people say he was too high. Um, I think I think the rest of this section. I actually had a couple people say thank you for putting Pippen where he was. Um, a lot of people had, kind of thought that he hadn't gotten his due historically. I think I maybe had one or two pe- people say that he was overrated, but for the most part, there there wasn't a lot of screaming and kicking about this particular section. I'm not going to read through the entirety of the other list. You should read it. I did want to sort of zero in on Chopper and on some of the current players that are on the list. You had. James Harden at 27, Chris Paul at 28, Russell Westbrook at 36, Kawhi Leonard at 42. I almost didn't consider him a, a current player, but I, in my notes, I have Pau Gasol at 46. Um, I almost forgot he was in the NBA still for a minute. Yeah. Did you get any pushback on, on their inclusions? Specifically, I feel like James Harden at 27 could have been controversial for some people. I got a lot on Pau Gasol. Um and he's so I mentioned I think I think a, a clear mistake that no, maybe not clear but a mistake that I made was Elijah Juan and Robinson I could switch those two I if if I bumped Gasol out even though I have him at forty six um, I probably wouldn't lose any sleep over it so but I, I I think I can still make the argument for where he's at I mean he's he has never been like tip top of the league but he's been quietly he was one of the better players for a very, very long stretch. He's it's kind of like the same argument for Kobe, just to a lesser degree. Um, just very good for a very long time. And part of that sort of opening up of the international player pool too. I, I, I think he's partly responsible for that. I was actually surprised. I didn't get at least that. I remember any pushback on James Harden um, because yeah, he's, he's a very, um, polarizing player right now when we when we analyze him relative to the rest of the current game but as far as I can remember uh, I I don't remember seeing anybody real upset about that Um, this this stretch that he's on right now statistically at least by some measures is is topped only by Jordan Um, it's ridiculous what he's done over the last three to five seasons. And if he keeps that going for two or three more, and if he wins a title, he could rock it. Uh, I did not mean to make that cliche, but, or, uh, <laughs> or that pun, but um, he could rock it up the list. So I actually didn't get a lot of pushback there. I did get a lot of pushback on Chris Paul because I have him ahead of John Stockton. Um, Good, but carry on. <laughs> I've got Stockton at 29, Paul at 28, and jazz fans were understandably mad about that. I think some other sort of guys who who love basketball history were a little bit upset about that. But 
Um, Chris Paul's another case where if it was just purely uh, advanced numbers, he'd be even higher. I think he's um, – I don't remember where he ranks specifically in box plus minus and, and, and uh, win shares per 48, but he's near the top, not just for point guards. Um, let me pull it up real quick. It won't take very long. All-time box plus minus. Uh, LeBron James, number one. Michael Jordan, two. Charles Barkley, three. David Robinson, four. Chris Paul, five. Um, All-time win shares per 48 minutes. Michael Jordan, one. David Robinson, two. Wilt Chamberlain, three. Chris Paul, four. Um, His advanced numbers are just off the charts. His net rating swing, um, which is – that's a fun number to me. Over the course of his career – his team's net points per 100 possessions has been 10.9 better when he's on the floor. Um, I'm trying to think if anybody else on the list has a higher net rating swing than that. I'm, I'm going to just like scan through the top guys. Plus five for Wade, not close. Um, let me see if some other current guys. Plus 9.4 for Dirk, very, very high. Garnett's was, Garnett's was plus 11.5, so there's one that's higher than Paul's. Um, but just for memory, there aren't many that are higher than that. He he is very, very underrated. His playoff numbers are good, too. So I know a lot of people are going to throw that in my face. Um, but, yeah, that those are the ones that were probably picked at the most among current players. But now that you mention it, I am kind of surprised more people didn't freak out about Harden being where he is. Were the, who was the toughest, if you have you know two to five players that were the toughest to leave off the top? 50 list uh for context your your number 50 player was your bottom five were bottom five at a top 50 list sounds sounds so crappy to yeah. say but you had Pau Gasol at, at 46 Isaiah Thomas at 47 I'm sure you got a lot of shit for that Walt, a lot of heat for that one Walt yeah. Clyde Frazier at 48 Elvin Hayes at 49 and Rick Barry at 50 who among your extensive list of honorable mentions <laughs> who was the toughest to leave out of this Process. I don't. Uh, it'd be hard to settle on one that's the toughest. Um, I, I've also gotten a lot of pushback for not having Iverson. That's what the one Just, I was going to say. Was it hard to? I know analytics don't love him, but was it hard leaving him out of the top? Yes, it it was for a few reasons. Um, one, I knew people were going to be mad about that, and I think I think it's in his case, it's pretty understandable. Um, his peak. I, for his 10-year peak, he was comfortably below average in true shooting percentage, and that was big to me. Um, but he had a he had a different sort of offensive responsibility than a lot of guys on this list, and he still, I think over the course of that 10-year stretch, I don't have this written down, but I think he was the leading scorer in the league um, over those 10 years, and that's, that's huge. Uh, he's got a lot of accolades, as he pointed out on Instagram um, <laughs> when responding to this list. Uh, he was he was a hard one to keep off, like you said. The advanced numbers don't love him, and and I you know his defense. Although he got a lot of steals, he was kind of picked on because of his size defensively. So that was that was a tough one. Though I could certainly see the argument to have him on, and I could make the argument to have him on. Um, I talked to you and Adam about Kevin Johnson. I think his <laughs> his numbers are pretty wild. Um, I know I've I've picked at Carmelo Anthony a lot uh, over the years, but I think you could probably make a case for him. Vince Carter is one. Speaking of longevity, um, he certainly had a, a very long and successful run. When I was doing the Power Forwards article, I was tempted to to go with Elton Brand or Blake Griffin. Um, 
Chris Weber was a guy who was actually on my top 10 power forwards list who didn't make the top 50 cut. Same with Dennis Rodman. Uh, McGrady was on my top 10 shooting guards. He didn't make the cut for top 50. Uh, Chris Mullen. <laughs> I think a lot of the guys I have in the top 50 are like I could make the argument that they belong in the top top 50. I'm trying to um, – who, who are some people – Alvin Adams, I maybe couldn't make the argument that he should be top 50. Um, it might be, it, you already mentioned Al Horford. It might be hard to make the argument for Hornacek. It probably is hard to make that argument. Um, anyway, there's, there's a lot of guys. I think, I think a lot of the people here, I could, I, I could make a honest good faith argument to have most of these guys in the yeah, top 50, which is so difficult, which that, that's what makes this exercise so hard over the course of NBA history, all these hundreds of, you know, well over thousands of players, um, to pare it down to 50 is, is uh, there's, there's going to be omissions that are painful and could very easily have gone the other way. It's, it's just part of the uh, nature of this beast. I'm, I'm very much rambling at this point, but there have been a ton of very, very good players over the course of the NBA. And it's not necessarily a slight to say Kobe Bryant's 14th out of that massive player pool, or it's not necessarily a slight to say that, Iverson is theoretically like 55th. Um, it to rise that high in a in a player pool that that's that big, and then if we expand it to say all the people who played basketball in their lives that didn't make the NBA, um, <laughs> to get to that point is an incredible accomplishment, even if it's just in the opinion of one lowly writer at Bleacher Report. <laughs> yeah, Andy Bailey's top 50 was swole or troll. <laughs> That was as as swole as it gets. That's like the rock after a pump before he films a fight scene. Well, definitely check out his list. It's it's on Bleacher Report. Uh, feel free to yell at him, and you can either bring evidence or don't. He was dunking on some people over the weekend, but I thought you handled it quite well. And again, there are definitely – I even just told you I had some issues with the list, but I, the work that went into it, I thought it, it came out – nicely and undertaking a project like this is is super difficult so i commend you for for doing it at all thank you sir i appreciate uh the kind words over the weekend and uh in this particular podcast and your help with some of these difficult decisions that i had to make and uh yeah so thank you i i sincerely appreciate it you're, um you're making me blush <laughs> with this one out of the way you know where to find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. Dan is at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. The show is at Hardwood Knox. Uh, the podcast network at Blue Wire Pods, as Dan mentioned up top, he does a lot of the tweets for that account. So you know that they are, um, as the kids may cheesy. or may not still be saying, <laughs> cheesy works. Um, if you've already rated, reviewed, and subscribed to the show, uh, be sure to tell your friends and family to do that. If you have not, please do it. And uh, until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Bena Udri and Kyle Anderson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, 
only on Showtime.